Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed on our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to <clears throat> Chat Noir, Mystery and Suspense. I'm your host, Linda Kozar. If you heard a dog barking in the back, that's my dog, Gypsy, and she says hello this morning. Um, <laughs> let me clue you in on our show today. My guest, uh, there she goes again. My guest is a close friend of mine, author Janice Thompson. She's a versatile author who writes both fiction and nonfiction, rom-coms, mysteries, historicals, children's books, you name it. She hasn't written science fiction yet, but you wait. She'll get to it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she says no, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, she's an award-winning author, and um, she also writes under the pseudonym Janice Hanna. She got her start in the industry writing screenplays and musical comedies for the stage. She's published over 100 books. I don't know. What's the last count on that, Janice? 112. One, it's and growing <laughs> um, for the Christian market, crossing genre lines to write cozy mysteries, historicals, romances, nonfiction books, devotionals, and more. Um, and she really enjoys writing the lighthearted uh, comedic tales um, because she loves to make readers laugh. Um, she was named the 2008 Mentor of the Year for ACFW, the American Christian Fiction Writers. Um, and she's passionate about her faith and does all she can to share the joy of the Lord. And she's fostering, she's fostering dogs too. And she has yep. one right beside her right now who's, who's <laughs> struggling to breathe. And if you have a moment, yes. please pray for this pup. Uh, little yes. Pico is. is yes. Okay. So um, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um so we're going to talk about your latest books, um, but let's talk about your mysteries first. You know, sure. you've got a um, slew of mysteries with guideposts, um, but if yeah. you just want to, I mean, you have a whole bunch of different um, series and stuff like that, but tell us about yeah. the, the latest one. Sure. So I've actually worked on three completely <clears throat> different series for guideposts. One is set in Martha's Vineyard, and that's the one I'm probably going to be talking about most today. One is set in Lancaster County in the Amish country, which is about, oh, maybe 45 minutes from where my sister lives in Pennsylvania. And then the third mm-hmm. one is set in Marietta, Ohio, and it's about the Underground Railroad. Oh, cool. So, now, um, um, yeah. <laughs> was, it hard, was it hard to write about um, the Amish community? Was it hard to write about that? Did you have to, like, educate so, yourself before? <laughs> Yeah, I've only done one other Amish theme book before, and it was about somebody leaving the Amish lifestyle, which was really about as far as I could go into the whole Amish thing. So the good thing about this particular series is the characters don't have to be Amish to, um, you know, to 
we create a mystery that's set in Lancaster County, but it doesn't have to be Amish people involved in the story. So the way it works with Guidepost is they give you the setup. They give you the primary POV characters, point of view characters, and then um, you have multiple authors in the series. So, for example, I might write book two, and I might not write another book until book nine, and then I might, you know, write in the teens. Um, and those have about 26 to 28 books per series, so I usually get about three, possibly four, depending on where I fall in line. Um, in oh, boy. Now, yeah. how do you handle so that? I mean, that's, I mean, not keeping well. up with all the changes <laughs> in between books. Yeah, how do I handle it? I handle it not well. Uh, because I have ADD <laughs> and I am, like, all over the place. So here's the craziest part of all. One of the hardest things they ever asked me to do was to fill in for another author in a series that I was not familiar with. And it was a Marietta, Ohio story about the um, Underground Railroad. Well... I've never been to Marietta, Ohio, and they were already 14 books into this series, and I hadn't read oh. one of them. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine the cast of characters was like hundreds of people, and everybody, all the other authors knew the town, they knew the characters, they knew the plot line, they had already created all of these very intricate uh, mystery ideas. And then along comes Janice, and I'm like, um... <laughs> And you have what to flow. You have to flow with the the previous books, you know. Oh, so you that's got to yes, be. Yes, you absolutely do. You absolutely wow. do. Wow. And here's an, another interesting thing. So you might be in the point of view of one of the three main characters in this book, but maybe in my next book I'm in the point of view of a different uh, main character. So huh, you don't just have to get to know one or two. You have to know them all. You have to know them all well. And you would also have to know, and you do, how ADD I am. So it's like, oh, <laughs> my goodness, my brain <laughs> cannot keep up with all of the yeah. characters. And then to complicate things, I'm working on the Lancaster book. At the same time, I'm doing the um, Ohio edits. So I'm like, oh, where am I now? Where am I today? Oh, I'm in Ohio. No, wait, I'm in Pennsylvania. Oh, wait, I'm still on Martha's Vineyard. No, I'm just launching the one on Martha's Vineyard. I'm editing the one from Ohio. No, wait, I'm writing the one from Ohio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This crazy ADD girl can barely keep up. But for whatever reason, I have found some favor with these precious people at Guidepost, and they just keep knocking on my door like I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Well, you know, at, know, at least, you know, the characters don't have to be Amish in the, the Lancaster one. I would be terrible oh, no. at being Amish and having to pin my clothes up instead of button them. <laughs> I'm thankful for buttons. That is God's gift to us. And uh, yeah, I would be a yes. pin cushion if I, you know, I'd always be sticking myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, okay. the three main characters are Mennonite in that series. And so okay. there's a little bit more leniency. Oh, so they have electric lights and all that. That's good. So oh, yeah. um, what makes, what, first of all, now for our readers who don't know, um, I mean, for the most part in your books, you don't do the killy stabby stuff kind of mysteries. Um, Only one. You do, yeah, you do mostly cozy mysteries. So yes. what makes a cozy mystery so cozy? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> whatever the whodunit uh, situation is, it happens off stage, and it usually happens very close to the beginning of the book, and there's nothing graphic shown. So unlike turning on, say, a suspense movie on TV where you see all the blood and gore, you might mm. have a situation where someone goes missing, for example, or in one of my Martha's Vineyard stories, a car, a very expensive antique car goes missing, you know. So, but it happens off stage. So you're not actually watching it happen. Well, of course you're not watching it happen because then you would know who did it, right? So right. what makes it cozy cozy is it's the kind of thing that, you know, you can sit and sip your hot tea and crochet while you're, <laughs> while you're reading it and you're not terribly bothered or terrified while you're reading the book. Um, but even if, it's a, even if a murder is involved, they don't show anything. Absolutely not. I, one yeah, of my stories, and it was the very first Martha's Vineyard story, took place both in the past and in the present. So the present-day characters were trying to figure out who had murdered somebody, you know, 90 years prior. Mm. So um, I I will not tell you how I killed off that character, but it was quite <laughs> unique, I must say. <laughs> Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for the reader. I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what makes for a good mystery, do you think, some of the elements so our readers well, can I know? Think, yeah, I think, first of all, you've got to have a, a point of view character that the reader connects with. So usually the reason that they go with women in a cozy is because the readers of the cozy mysteries are primarily female. So you take a woman who's fairly ordinary because you don't want her to be this, you know, rock star sleuth. Um, because then the reader wouldn't relate to her. She just has to be like them, like the reader. And then you've got to throw her into this situation where she is so out of her element that she has absolutely no choice but to get involved in the story. For some reason, she personally feels a call to get involved in the story. Maybe someone she loves uh, is being falsely accused. Maybe something that she loves has been stolen. Uh, but she always finds herself thrust into this very overwhelming situation, and she works alongside the police, sometimes not very well. Sometimes she does more than the police. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the, the point is that she is growing as a human being the whole time she is solving this mystery. And then, you know, if you use her as a point-of-view character in multiple stories in a row, you have a lot of room for her to grow as a sleuth. So maybe by the time she's on her fifth or sixth mystery, she's acquired some skills. Well, don't you think, um, you know, women are good. Um, women are like natural sleuths, especially if you're a mom, because oh. <laughs> you can tell when your your kid is lying <laughs> and uh, you want to know who took the candy out of the cookie jar, uh, candy out of the candy <clears throat> jar or the cookie jar uh, when they say they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so we're yes, pretty good, is, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a grandmother of nine, so I have nine grandchildren, right? So anytime Ooh. something goes wrong, I'm like, okay, who did it? And they all give me that blank stare. I just look at all of them down the line, and I'm like, okay, number four is you. I can tell from the look on your face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Definitely. So it's it's a natural thing with moms. We're sleuths. I think. Yep. Um, so um, tell us about 
the latest mysteries. Tell us, um, tell us about, you know, those three series you mentioned. Sure. Okay. So um, the, the latest one that I am working on right now is Lancaster County, which is the one that is set in um, a town called Bird in Hand, which I think is a very unique Oh, and wow. Interesting name for a town. I know. The Amish named it a, a very long time ago uh, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is, oh, my goodness, one of the most gorgeous places you could ever visit. I've been several times with my sister who lives nearby, as I said. But anyway, um, basically, the scenario is this. There are three sisters, Mary, Martha, and Elizabeth, of course, <laughs> and they're Mennonite, and they live in a very large farmhouse. Uh, on farmland that belonged to their family, but their parents are now deceased. And they have a shop called Secondhand Blessings that is on the property. And so there are, you can imagine the amount of mysteries that you could cook up just with items that come into the secondhand shop. Oh, definitely. You know? So <laughs> I've had a lot of fun with that one. And um, I don't want to give too much away on my stories, but I've I've created um, one story about a man who goes missing and they're trying to find him. I'm working on a brand new story for them right now, and I haven't gotten too far into it or I would tell you more about it. So that's the Lancaster County one. And then the Marietta, Ohio uh, one, (laughs) because I came into that one late, I was like, what can I do to make it look like I know what, (laughs) like I belong in this group? (laughs) Without taking a trip there. (laughs) Right, right. So just write what you know. That's what they tell you. So my very first book in that series was actually about a baking competition. And you know me. I'm a baker. I've run a bakery out of my home. (laughs) So I thought, well, I don't know that much about what's going on in the rest of the stories, but I know baking. (laughs) So I can make this story (laughs) baking-themed, and there will be a baking contest going on. And something big will happen to one of the um, ladies who enters the contest. And then uh, the second book that I did for that series was dog-themed. And as you can hear dogs barking in the background at my house over here, too, you know I'm a dog lover, and I'm really into (laughs) dog rescue. And so that book was about a rescue organization that shows up in Marietta, Ohio, on the very same day that they're having the um, dog show. And one of the key dogs who's expected to win Best in Show goes missing. So the question is, who would steal this show dog and why? So that one was a lot of fun to write, too. I know. (laughs) And the world of show dogs fascinates me. You know, I mean, the way they they poof them up and, you know, I mean, they go through a whole beauty ritual. (laughs) Well, one of my... my, uh, Oh, sorry. One of my wannabe bad guys was the groomer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. They get better beauty treatments, you know, than a lot of people do. I mean, and those dogs are gorgeous. I would be afraid to take them outside, you know. (laughs) Right. And they spend they spend a fortune getting those dogs ready. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Not just not just the poofing up and all of that, but the diet. Um, the foods that the dog eats, the exercise plan the dog is on. I mean, it's crazy. It's kind of like, you know, going for Miss America. <laughs> you got to be a chick. Miss America for dogs. <laughs> that sounds like a great book. Well, <laughs> um, I want to take some time from from the mysteries to talk about your um, another book that just came out called Just Roll With It. 
And um, yes. tell us about that. It's um, published by Dayspring. The other books are guideposts. Um, this is Dayspring, and um, it's a baking devotional. So tell us. It comes yes. a lot of it comes from your own experiences as a baker. Yeah. And and let me tell so, you, listeners, she bakes the most. Uh, beautiful cakes and they taste just as good as they look, which isn't always the case, if you know, from experience and cookies that are just to die for. They're just so good. Well, okay. thank you. That was quite the buildup. <laughs> <laughs> I tell the truth. <laughs> so my next big cake flop, I'm going to send the picture to you and you can tell your listeners all about it. Um, so really I have to credit, I have to credit you with, um, the sale of that book because you were writing for Dayspring first and you were sweet enough to tell me about your adventures with them. And, uh, that gave me the courage to take this idea that I had already cooked up, pun intended, and shop it with them and see what they thought about it. And thank goodness they liked the idea. And basically it's just. It's just stories of things that happened to me in my kitchen while I was baking. Some of them are very funny and crazy. Some of them are tender and sweet. Um, I was a caregiver for my mom who had Alzheimer's, and the last two years of her life, um, I was with her nonstop. And so she was in the kitchen with me half the time when I was baking. And so I have some stories about things that happened with, with my mom. Um, there are also a lot of recipes yeah. in the book. There are some baking yes. tips and um, all kinds of fun little additions. But mostly it's first-person stories, and it's, you know, my own journey through my caregiving years as told through baking stories, basically. Um, Can and you tell us one? Can you tell us one of the stories? Yeah, um, this is kind of a, kind of a bittersweet one. So... <laughs> I had made this gigantic container of buttercream to put on this cake. And, of course, it was for a customer, so you want it to be absolutely perfect. And um, oh, so yeah. I used as much, yeah, I used as much as I needed to frost the cake. And when I was done, I put the cake in the fridge and set it away because my buttercream has a lot of cream cheese in it, by the way, which is why it had to be refrigerated. <laughs> but It kind of sounds heavenly, like, like- just, you know, to have that container in front of you. Oh, girl. <laughs> and the spoon. Well, that's kind of where this story, kind of where this story takes its twist because um, I got finished and I had probably about a cup or two of buttercream left in the bottom of my mixing bowl, but I had to make a run into the other room to go take care of something. I forget what. And my mom was there in the kitchen. And when I came back, she had her hand in that bowl of buttercream. Ooh. And she was licking her fingers, and you should have seen the look on her face. She was just absolutely delirious. She was so happy. <laughs> and, of course, she was at that point in the Alzheimer's where it wouldn't have done any good to tell her, don't touch the buttercream, because she wouldn't have right. understood that. But right. um, two things happened in that moment. I looked at her, and I was so upset. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not even going to get to save that buttercream. And then my <laughs> second thought was, Look at that beautiful look on her face. She looks <laughs> just deliriously happy. And who wouldn't with her? Yes, so up who wouldn't be? Yes. <laughs> in buttercream. <laughs> and, you know, I've thought about that so many times since she passed away two years ago. I thought, you know what? Stick your hand in the bowl as many times as you want. Lick those fingers as much as you want. Waste that buttercream. I don't care. I would give 
anything to be able to go back and have her again and see yeah. her do that again. I would give her my, my bowl of buttercream if I could just Aww. spend that many that many moments with her again. Yeah. So it helps you put things in perspective on this side of it because she's not here to stick her hand in the buttercream anymore. And I wish she was. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. And it's, you know, true stories are the best. I mean, a, a great basis for devotionals because, you know, it's sharing little pieces of your life and, and how, yeah. and how God spoke to you through those um, experiences. So that's wonderful. And not to mention the recipes, what are some of the recipes you have in there? You have cookie recipes, cake right. recipes. So I've got And my, biscuits too, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um so I've got all kind mostly sweet stuff because that's what I do. I'm known for cakes and cookies. And so of course I've got my sugar cookie recipe and I talk at length in one of the devotions about how long it took me to come up with the perfect sugar cookie recipe. Because when you do sugar cookies, you've got to have something that is soft enough that you can break it and it, it's got that wonderful texture on the inside, but it's got to be yeah. firm enough that it holds its shape and it doesn't fall off its edges. And you know, a typical sugar cookie would fall off its edges and you mm-hmm. and so you couldn't paint it. So when I'm painting with royal icing, it's super important that the top of the cookie is completely flat. So, <clears throat> and yours are thicker, you know, some cookies, you know, I mean, everybody's gone through mishaps in baking cookies. Usually the edges right. get too brown or, you know, yes. but yours are like, they hold their shape, you know. And that's because I worked for weeks, literally. And I did recipe after recipe after recipe, just trying again. Okay, this one's too soft. Okay, this one's too firm. Okay, this one's too hard. Okay, this one's too soft. I mean, you know, whatever. It's I just kept trying, trying and trying and trying until I finally came up with what I thought was perfect. And so you'll you'll probably laugh when you hear this, but one of the things that sets my sugar cookie recipe apart from some of the others is that I use a lot of powdered sugar in it as well as granulated sugar, which I think helps with the texture. But mm, then I also yeah. use I also use paint sticks for rolling. And let me see if I can explain that. So I got this idea that if I went to the sorry, I went to the paint department and I got some paint sticks and I doubled them. I could put two on the right side and two on the left side, set my dough down between them uh, on wax paper, put another piece of wax paper over, um, you know, the paint sticks, and then roll it out. Then I've got perfectly level flat cookies that are only as tall as those doubled paint sticks. This oh, might be wow. a better illustration if I could show you. <laughs> I know. Well, you know that. Oh wow! And so they're That's so cool. every single time you get exactly the same thing. There's yeah. never a surprise on how thick they are. So because I use the same method all the time, I know how long a cookie of that thickness will have to bake, and I know that the royal icing will sit flat on top of the cookie because the edges don't fall off. Yeah, and that Was royal that icing much? is too hard for a lot of people. No, no. I mean, when talking about cookies and and cakes, I mean, what could I mean? What's wrong about that? It's it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, and I love when you make chocolate chip cookies. You use those little mini chips. 
Oh, those are, I mean, and those cookies are awesome. I mean, what are some of the, the more unusual cookies you make? Um, oh, golly, I've had so many different ones that I make. Probably the one that I get the most requests on would be my oatmeal craisin. I use craisins as opposed to raisins. I'm not a huge raisin fan, but there's something mm. about the craisin mixed with the oats and walnuts. <clears throat> Just, oh gosh, it's making me hungry thinking about it. And then another one, and this is a, a story that's in my cookbook as well. Um, another one actually came from my sister-in-law, Stacy, and, and they are potato chip cookies. Oh, that's yes. a very unusual recipe. Have you made I've those? I've made those from you. I mean, you told me about it, and I've made them. And Oh, yes. Those are great. Ooh, there's just something about that little bit of salt mixed in with that sweet cookie. It almost reminds mm-hmm. me of like a pecan sandy or something. It yes. has that little bit of saltiness yeah. mixed in with it. But it's so fun to just crunch up those potato chips. Can I tell you the backstory to that cookie? Yeah, it was, we've, we've got about yeah. four minutes, so. <laughs> well, my it was a week my mom was passing away, and, and she was in the next room, and we knew that her death was imminent, and the whole family had gathered, and I thanked every single day for all the people that were there. It was a form of therapy, and my sister-in-law, Stacy, I had run out of recipes, and she said, oh, I have a recipe, and she came and showed me, and thank goodness we had the ingredients there in the house. And she showed me how to make those potato chip cookies. And it was a way really around our sadness to kind of bond. And, you know, my mom had always therapy. been my mentor. Yeah, yeah but it was, it was interesting because my mom had always been the one who had taught me to bake. It was almost like God was saying, I still got other people out here, like Stacy, who can take you under their wing and show you their tricks like your mama used to do. Oh, so, yeah. I know. And that's great. And I mean... I think um, cookies and baking can be therapy, you know. Always. Um, you get in that kitchen and, and you're creating something with love. I mean, and I think that is the ingredient that nobody really talks about. If you're creating, if you love what you do, you're creating something with that love for food, you know, because um, yep. people can whip up things and, you know, there's really no love put into it, but you can taste the love, I think. And and the love for the people you're baking for, because so much of the time when I'm in a kitchen, I'm thinking about those people and thinking about how much I care about them. And it really is my gift to them to be able to give them something that maybe I've worked for six or seven hours on this cake. They don't know that. They just see a little birthday cake. But to me, the whole time I'm baking, it's for them. It's because of love for them. And it's a piece of your life, you know. Um, it's, It's your time. That's the commodity you have in life, you know? Yep. So that's amazing. <laughs> well, um, pe- where can people find you? They, I mean, you're on all of social media, you know, and you have I a special am. Facebook page for, your, for just Roll With It, too, where people are posting some of their recipes, right? Yes, and in fact, I stayed up late into the night last night compiling all of our recipes into a little cookbook that I'm going to give away for free to anyone who contacts me to let me know that they've purchased my devotional. So oh my uh, you goodness. can find me. I know we had the best time coming up with those recipes. Um, these ladies are amazing, but um, I'm at Janice Hannah Thompson on Facebook. And then if you want to visit my website, it's www.janiceathompson.com. 
don't forget the A or you'll hit it because yeah, Dan don't Thompson, forget the A. It, it turns out, <laughs> is a very popular name. <laughs> yeah. uh, put that A There's in there. There's another Janice Thompson who's an author as well. She writes nutrition books. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. Yes, and really and you're on everything else. You're on Pinterest. You're on Twitter. You're on yes. Instagram. You yes. know, Twitter is uh, my Twitter handle is Books by Janice. Although I don't post as much on Twitter as I used to. I haven't conquered Instagram. I think I'm on there, but I don't know that much about it. I might need to learn from you, wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, definitely, because I'm I'm into Instagram now. Um, mostly oh, just oh. to follow after what my kids are doing. But let's not talk about that. <laughs> just lurking. Um, well, thank the you so much for being back. on the show. I really You're enjoyed welcome. talking to you, and I hope uh, our our listeners will go out and buy Janice's books because they are fantastic. And uh, and so it, no matter what genre you buy, you will be happy. Thank you so much. And we're going to go, but I'll have you back again soon. Thanks, Janice. Thanks, Linda. Bye-bye.